Hello and welcome back to the podcast Paper Trail Pro. My name is Kieran McArch and I work with the charity Paper Trail, which helps victims and survivors, former combatants and families alike, impacted by the latest conflict in the north of Ireland. A key facet of our support is to help these families access official information buried in archives for decades. In our previous podcast, we examined the heinous murder of young mother Jean Smith Campbell by British state security forces and its cover-up by the state. In this podcast, we discussed the so-called great escape of loyalist leader Gusty Spence from police custody. But we discovered that it was the police who created the myth of the Orange Pimpernel. Documents that I found at Kew National Archives regard the release of Gusty Spence, the leader of the Ulster Volunteer Force, or UVF, by the state police in October 1972. At the time, Spence was on the most wanted list after his first so-called escape from prison custody in July 1972 when British prison authorities allowed the convicted murderer to attend his daughter's wedding during one of the most violent periods in the conflict. Spence absconded after the wedding, of course. Acting on hard information, British soldiers from the 1st Battalion of the Parachute Regiment, 1 Para, picked Spence up along with 63 alleged members of the paramilitary organisation UVF from a drinking club in the Shankar area of Belfast. These included a number of the UVF's commanders like Big Bill Campbell, head of the UVF in Scotland, and three of the McGurk's Bar Bombers. Spence and the others were transported to Castle Ray to be identified and processed by the Royal Ulster Constabulary, or RUC Police Force, which should have been an easy exercise even if Spence was in disguise, as he was so well known. He was also easily identifiable anyway by his tattoos, and indeed that is how one para identified and recaptured him the following month in November 1972. In October 1972, the RUC quite simply released him. Rather than recording a police mistake, the files that Paper Trail found document the realisation by the British political and military elite, including the British Prime Minister himself, that Spence had been captured as planned but released by the police, undermining the whole British Army operation. The documents also record the Chief Constable at the time was forced to investigate Spence's release by his force and report back to government, whilst the British Prime Minister Edward Heath was alerted of the release prior to a meeting with Taoiseach Jack Lynch. Heath though was advised to follow the line that allegations of Spence's escape were being investigated. Since then the gov- government line taken was that it was a police mistake and that Spence had not been identified by the officers on duty and that there was no disagreement with the British Army. The records, which you can view on www.papertrail.pro, completely refute this. In Roy Garland's book on Gusty Spence, reference is made to, to the release by John, not his real name, who Garland notes as Gusty's closest friend and fellow UVF member. John says, While we were there, we were searched and photographed, the usual pattern. Now Gusty has tattoos and markings are well noted, They recognise you by your marks. We were still waiting to be interrogated and I was beside Gusty and a few others. Two detectives popped their head in to look over to us and smiled. The British arrest operation was highly political and created a volatile situation in the shangle. Nevertheless, these documents prove that the RUC released Gusty and undermined the actions of the British Army. In doing so, the RUC helped create the myth that Spence was the Orange Pimpernel. The documents also record a report commissioned by the Chief Constable at the time and the same was noted to the British Prime Minister. 
Paper Trail has lodged a Freedom of Information request to the Police Service in Northern Ireland, PSNI, for this report, as the whole incident, including release and cover-up, is so important to scores of families. Police have denied us access to it. The run of files open with a situation report to the British Prime Minister on 11th and 12th of November 1972, which Edward Heath actually initials EH and dates. This records... Prime Minister, a bad night. Trouble particularly from the Protestants. This was at a time when organised loyalist violence was being denied by the British authorities and Protestant extremists were not subject to interim custody orders and interned like Catholics. Indeed, a highly discriminatory arrest policy for Protestants, as it was called in British documents, existed at that time, which ordered that Protestants were not to be interned. The trouble began with the British Army raid on a loyalist club. Shankill, a raid was carried out on a club where it was thought on hard information that Gusty Spence and 12 to 16 other UVF leaders were meeting. In fact, 65 people were arrested by one para and handed over to the RUC. This incident led to a major reaction two hours after the arrests. One power raided the club as it had hard evidence that Gusty Spence and over a dozen other UVF leaders were there. Gusty was an escapee and the highest profile loyalist on the wanted list. The UVF was also supposed to be a prescribed organisation. We know from the historical inquiries team that amongst the 60 plus UVF members arrested with him were three of those named as being the McGurk's Bar Bombers. So too was Big Bill Campbell, the head of the Scottish UVF, and he provided the gel ignite for this attack and a series of others, loyalist pub bombings. So at a time when the state denied the existence of organised loyalist violence, an NIO political summary for Whitehall dated 13th of October 1972 admits that UVF and Ulster Defence Association gunmen were seen and members of the security forces were actually abducted during the disturbances. We now know that Gusty was among those arrested and handed over to the RUC at Castle Ray. There he would have been highly recognisable, even in disguise, as he had visible tattoos, which is how one para eventually caught him the month later. A cursory check by RUC would have proved that the hard information provided to the army was correct and the arrest operation was indeed successful. A situation report for the British Prime Minister dated 15th, 16th of October records an open admission that Catholics were being killed in Protestant areas, but again Protestant extremists were still not being interned. In this same file, you can trace growing realisation that the British Army operation to arrest Gusty Spence was actually successful. Doubt continues to surround the possible arrest and release of Gusty Spence. The UVF claimed that he was arrested and released. The RUC replied in a statement that a thorough check was being made. A note of a meeting in the Northern Ireland office on Monday 16th of October featured leading civil servants from the NIO and the Foreign and Commonwealth Office and leading military officers of the Ministry of Defence. Section 3 notes that The Chief Constable had ordered an inquiry into the arrest of the UVF leaders and the reported release of Gusty Spence. Meanwhile, it is an imperative that nothing should be said which could indicate any disagreement between the army and the police on the events of that night. It was now obvious there was a disagreement between RUC and army, as the army and British officials began to realise that the RUC did indeed release Spence. A report on the growth of Protestant violence 
was prepared for the British Prime Minister on 18th of October 1972, prior to his meeting with Taoiseach Jack Lynch. Again, this openly admitted that Protestant gunmen were involved in many shooting incidents over the period 11th and 12th of October 1972, and then prepares the British Prime Minister for any questions regarding the released Loyalist convict. It has been alleged that one of those arrested and later released was the UVF leader, Gusty Spence, who escaped from prison whilst serving a sentence for murder. Mr Lynch may ask if this is so. Prime Minister is advised to reply that it is not yet established that Spence was among those arrested and that a police inquiry into the incident is being held. For the Prime Minister's own information, the Army have good reason to believe that Gusty Spence was one of the people arrested on that occasion, but for reasons which are not yet clear, Spence was released without questioning. This proves that the British Army now believed that Spence had indeed been released by the RUC and that this would be highly damaging and embarrassing politically. It shows that the RUC and army were at odds. A few weeks later, one power recaptured Gutsy Spence. We now know that it was Derek Wilford of Bloody Sunday Infamy who arrested Spence after recognising his tattoos. By then, Spence had spent a number of months helping to reorganise the UVF over the most violent period of the conflict. Even though the present police service in Northern Ireland has denied me access to the inquiry raised by the Chief Constable in 1972, we know from other archives that the report concluded that RUC had indeed deliberately released Spence. This fact is highly significant for scores of cases involving murder by the UVF during this time, as the RUC denied the existence of Loyalist Valence. It even blamed UVF killings on the IRA, such as the McGurk's Bar and Kelly's Bar massacres. We know from historical investigations that RUC failed to investigate hundreds of killings properly or indeed in turn suspected loyalist extremists at a time when only Irish Catholics were being interned without trial. Could you imagine the impact on the IRA at this period if 63 members including 12 to 16 of, of its leaders had been arrested in one swoop just as happened with Gusty Spence in the UVF in 1972? We'll never know how many lives could have been saved if the police and the state had not discriminated, as Spence, the most recognisable and most wanted loyalist leader throughout the whole conflict, was released along with over 60 UVF members. We know that those released included mass murderers who would go on to kill many, many more civilians. You can view these files on our website, www.papertrail.pro or you can check out similar discoveries in a book of collected articles and essays called Trope, which is being released very soon. In our next podcast, we investigate the early life and crimes of Brian Nelson, the infamous British soldier working at the heart of another loyalist killing machine, the Ulster Defence Association. Thanks for listening.